Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com. A look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. This is the time of year when journalists start winning awards. Typically, you finish the previous year and then spend much of January entering various contests. And right around now, we start finding out how we did. Well, my guest today did very well in one of the most competitive competitions in the country. He was just named the NPPA's West Regional Photographer of the Year. He is a photojournalist at KUSA-TV in Denver. Michael Driver, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the, the opportunity. Thanks for asking me. My pleasure, and congratulations, first of all. You found out uh, Monday night. Uh, you were telling me before we got on exactly how you found out, and it's a good story, so I'm going to have you tell it again right now. So, uh, so yeah, we, we knew the the, the, the what, what was going to happen was coming out, and I was actually on a shoot with Kevin Torres. And uh, at the time, we were actually we were doing a feature story, and I was in a actually in a wolf pen with wolves. And uh, my buddy texted me. Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> we're shooting a feature story, so I was in a pen with about seven wolves. And uh, I get a text message from my buddy from the station that says, um, you won, man. And I just kind of freaked out. And it was, you know, it was one of those situations where Kevin was talking to these people we were interviewing. And he kind of even stopped them mid-sentence. was like, wow, he just won this. So it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to, to, to find that out. You don't want to freak out too much. You don't want to scare the wolves. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, it was, I, I was scared enough. So, yeah, you had, you had to kind of keep it quiet. had to stay a little low-key on it. <laughs> um, you know, we, this blog attracts, uh, you know, fans of print work, broadcast work, all kinds. And, and for those who may not know, Photographer of the Year is about as prestigious as it gets for on the photojournalist side of things. Yeah. So I'm just curious. I mean, you know, it's been almost a week now since you found out that you won. What do you make of that honor, and, and how thrilled are you to receive it? Um, I mean, super, super excited about it. Um, you know, I came to KUSA. I've been here for about a year and a half now. And, um, you know, I came here because I wanted to work with some of the greatest journalists in the business, uh, progress my career. And, uh, you know, you, you give yourself short-term goals. You're like, well, what do I want to do, you know, at this time frame and all this stuff? And one of my goals was I was hoping I wanted to produce enough good stories that, you know, maybe, you know, that I could win MPPA West Top Photographer of the Year. And I wanted to try to do that at my first year at KUSA to kind of establish myself and just, you know, just keep that motivation going. And uh, so, yeah, when I found out I won, it was just it was surreal. It was like, you know, it, it just shows that, you know, if you if you envision something, and you work hard at it, um, you can get it. So it was just I had that goal and I stuck to it and I, I stuck through it through the whole year. One thing that makes the Photographer of the Year Award so unique is that. You know, most awards that you enter and that you win, it's for an individual story or maybe a short composite of the work you've done through the year. Mm -hmm. But the NPPA makes you enter three stories every quarter. Yeah. So you really have to be on your game and you have to be consistent all year long to win a title like Photographer of the Year. How difficult is that to produce that kind of strong work quarter after quarter? I mean, it's very tough. And uh, like you said, I mean, I think the quarterly contest is so great because it, it does that. It makes a photographer stay consistent in uh, different aspects because, you know, you get deadline, spot news, general news feature and in depth. So it's a uh, it's a situation where when you go out and shoot, you have to be versatile in all different uh, things. You know, you can't just go out and shoot in depth stuff all the time. You got to be able to go out and do a general day turn and be able to knock it out of the park, gather the elements to where maybe it is award worthy, um, you know, and just 
you know, going out, just the diversity of the stuff that you have to um, do. So I think it helps photographers, um, you know, better themselves because you're not concentrating on just one type of category or one, you know, in-depth or just a feature type thing. It's just a broad of what we do day in, day out. And it's just being able to do all those um, and do them in a, in a manner that, um, you know, just knock it out of the park, you know. You uh, you obviously had several stories that placed in the various categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you look back, what was your proudest moment as a storyteller from the past year? Um, I mean, as far as story-wise, which story I, I really liked? Yeah. Well, there was one that I did, and uh, it, the title of it was I Miss You, Burl. And um, it was a nap pack that I went out and did. And originally it was a situation where it was Memorial Day. They had sent me out to just go out to Fort Logan, do a vote site, and, you know, that's all you have to do. Um, so I went out there, found a woman right away, uh, visiting her dad's grave, talked to her. She was great sound, shot a little video. And, you know, at that point I was like, okay, well, I got what I need. I can very easily just go back. Um, I was loading up my car. I see this old man get out of the car with a cane just barely moving, just, you know, going very slow. And, you know, and just for a second I said, I got to go talk to that guy. I got to find out his story. So I took the incentive to go do that instead of just leaving with the bow side. And after uh, talking to this guy, um, he was a World War II veteran, um, but his wife had died, stayed by his side through all the years, and she had passed away. She was buried there. Um, and I, I put a microphone on him and just let him, you know, I asked him if, you know, if I mind if he, just getting some video while he uh, visited his wife's grave. And um, the stuff I got was just, it, it, when I was listening to it, it blew me away. Because I just, I stayed back, I let him do his thing, and um, he just opened up so much. He automatically walked up to the his wife's gravestone and just started talking to her and he forgot that I was there and just being able to capture those moments that we rarely don't get to see those intimate moments. Um, it was, it was surreal. It was like, you know, as a, as a journalist, when you're listening to some of that, it touches your heart because you know, you're a human being. And, um, you know, if you're passionate about this and you're, you know, you, you're not doing this because it's a job, you really feel what that person's feeling. And, um, I put a nap pack together on that and it turned out very, very well. And, um, it's just so that was probably one of my favorite pieces just because of that moment just letting those moments breathe and it's just it's one of those stories that when you watch it it's hard to forget it because um just of the character and just the moment that that you're able to witness how many of your um how many of your favorite stories how many of your best stories have come from just being alert like that just you know (laughs) being on a shoot or maybe you're driving somewhere and you see something that either you go shoot the story that day or it inspires Mm -hmm. Uh, you to you know think about doing that story later on but but it's a story that just by maybe looking a split second longer or looking at the world just a little different you're able to come up with what winds up being a great piece of journalism I would say that's the majority of the stories that I do Um, you know because in this business you know it's very independent so once you get set out on a story you don't have somebody over your shoulder um going to be telling you why don't you go the extra mile and get this get that so you have to take it upon yourself to say you know i'm going to go out and gather these extra things to make this story you know extra special so i would say i do that a lot i'll go out and i'll just um you know obviously we have a plan in place how we, we think the story is going to go but if i get out there and i start seeing stuff that i think adds to the story that's going to make it memorable i'll start capturing those and that's when you know maybe the story it goes a different direction. So yeah, I'm constantly, when I go out, I'm just looking for any extra added thing um, that I could throw in the story to, to those little moments that you can just trickle through the story that's gonna make it so much better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, and that's what you've gotta do. Cause like I said, nobody's gonna be over your shoulder saying, do that extra, go grab that interview, grab that guy over there. You gotta take it upon yourself to just walk up and say, you know, ask somebody a couple of questions and just say, hey, can I throw a mic on you for a little bit and just talk to him? And uh, you just gather, you know, 
great stuff that you just can incorporate in your stories that make them make them really pop. One of my one of the stories that you've done that I've actually written about on the blog was uh, a piece that you did with uh, Kevin Torres, who's a mm-hmm. great reporter. And yeah. there was a wall or a chalkboard <laughs> in the middle of downtown Denver. Yeah. And uh, and it was talking about. It was it, it was it was talking about what do you want to do before you die? Mm-hmm. And there was uh, I, I, I everything you were just saying that seemed to come through in that story as well, where it was a lot of simply allowing people to tell their stories. And in that case, it seemed like there were plenty of people who were willing to do it. Yeah. In that situation, that was uh, like, that was a story you talk about drive by and maybe go back and do it. That I drove by downtown and seen that wall multiple times. And I I always wanted to do a story. So I told Kevin, I was like, when we get the opportunity, you know, let's go out and do the story over this wall. It just seems great. People are just writing down what they want to do before they die. And um, we originally were going to take a, you know, just take a day. And that was going to be our HFR story. We were just going to work on that all day. Well, it worked out to where we were working together uh, night side on a story. Uh, The story fell through and it just worked out where it's like they let us go do that. And we ended up doing it as a day term. Um, So Kevin and I just headed out there and it was, you know, we're kind of talking about the elements we needed and all that stuff. I was kind of worried at first. I was like, you never know when you show up. People might not even show up and want to ride on the wall. Right. We we, we, we lucked out. We lucked out and and quite a few people did show up. But it was, um, yeah, it was great. It was just, you know, go out there and just throw a wireless mic on people and just, you know, just let them tell tell their story. I mean, what do they want to do before they die? I mean, you know, we got one woman that um, she ended up tearing up a little bit, you know, because she, you know, after a while, after a few questions, um, asking the right questions, it emotionally hit her. So you get that emotional aspect from the person. Um, A lot of shots that you see in there, you know, there's uh, his writing style, you know, people need a second chance. And and the shot that I use is a, a shot of like, somebody saying that they want to get their life together uh, you know people want to find love and it's like a tight shot of love so we're constantly communicating and kevin's telling me he's already writing the story in his head so he, he's basically already saying you know make sure you get a shot of this i know i'm gonna use that that's this 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 so it helps keep your time going because you know you know already know what you're gonna need instead of just shooting random stuff all the time and um there's one shot i mean it's probably about one of my favorite shots and that it was just a random squirrel um, just he's he's out there by the wall and he just pops up and looks and Kevin wrote to it to where, um, you know, it, it worked out great. You know, so just finding those little like little special elements of memorable things. And uh, we're constantly communicating, constantly talking and what we're going to do. And um, but, yeah, just, you know, just letting the people uh, just tell the story. And um, I think that's what we did. It just turned out to be, you know, one of my favorite pieces. I liked it a lot. So, yeah. And uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, again, with a competition like this, because it is a year long competition, Mm -hmm. it's you evolve as a photojournalist over the course of the competition. And I'm curious as to what you would consider your biggest improvement over the last year. Well, I would say I was a big person about like I felt like every story had to be super fast, had to be super quick edits, had to be super fast. Otherwise, the viewer is going to lose interest. Um, I've learned um, over this last year that. There's times that you just have to let the moments breathe. Um, everything doesn't have to be fast. If you're at home, actually would like it more to be able to just like to look at a shot. You know, if it's a 10 second shot with a great moment, it's okay to leave it up there because if you're at home, they don't understand quick cuts. You know, to them, sometimes it's almost like it's so fast they didn't even see it. So it doesn't really relate yep. to them. 
So if you've got a great, you know, so I've kind of learned that, you know, just letting moments breathe and, you know, and just doing it in a way we're in a package where you can keep that fast aspect of the quick cuts and, and keep it moving, but also do it in a way where you can incorporate those moments and letting it breathe a little bit and just putting them both together in, in the same story. And if you do it properly, um, you know, it, your stories turn out really good. That is something that, that I noticed when I started really watching NPPA-style storytelling. I, I would watch okay. stories and be like, they're just moving too fast. Mm -hmm. A lot of them would yeah. because there would be so many quick cuts that you wouldn't be able to really feel the story, feel the moments of the story like you would want to. But when I watch the best ones do it, when I watch folks like yourself and a lot of the people you were competing against this year, yeah. uh, it, it's special the way that you can do the quicker cuts and mm -hmm. set a pace with them, but also find those moments that you allow to let breathe and also really tell your story. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and you know, you just got to find a way to do it um, the right way. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, if you don't, if you don't do it properly, sometimes it comes off jarring or it may not work. Um, so you just have to have, find that happy medium, uh, talk to your reporter, um, talk, you know, tell them the plan, just kind of, get the structure of the story out. You know, if you're going to start the package off quick and then you're going to slow it down towards the middle you can speed it back up at the, at the end. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, communication and just, you know, you, you, when I go out and shoot, I try to shoot like I'm a viewer at home. If I, if I'm somebody at home, what, what's a shot I'd want to see? What's a moment I'd want to see? What, what, what's some sound I'd want to hear? So if you put yourself in the, the viewer's shoes and stuff and you just sit back and watch it as a viewer, um, you kind of, you kind of grasp that a little bit more. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl. He is Michael Driver, photojournalist for KUSA-TV in Denver and the winner of the MPPA's 2013 West Regional Photographer of the Year Award. Michael, I wanted to use this next section to talk a little bit more about technique, and we've done some of that so far. But I am curious, uh, I think, especially for a lot of people at home and a lot of young journalists who listen, might want to know exactly what your process is like from start to finish. So I'm curious... For you, especially as someone who sometimes works with a reporter and sometimes goes and, mm -hmm. and does your own thing, what is your mentality before you go on a shoot? How much are you talking about what you'd like to do, the mood of the story? What kind of pregame process do you go through? Um, I mean, from from the first time, when you first get the your, your story in the meeting and stuff, it, it's in from that time getting in the car, um, I'm constantly talking to my reporter about a plan. Um, obviously, when you get out to a scene, you're not going to know exactly what it is. You just got a generic feel for what, what's possibly out there. So just knowing some of the elements of the story, um, it's just constantly talking about, you know, what elements do we need? What, what do we need to gather? What, what sound are we going to need? What visuals are we going to need to do this story? Um, and, and another thing, too, that, you know, I try to do a lot is, is back timing your day. So even though you're going out in a story, you're gathering these elements, uh, you need to make sure, especially if it's going to be a tight deadline, how much time you're going to have to do this stuff? You know, how much time are you going to have to be able to put solely on shooting and, and doing all this? So you give yourself enough time to be edit to edit and and do the story uh, properly. Um, so it's just constant communication. You you have to have a plan in place because if you just go in it with all right, we'll see what happens. You, you're going to end up. Uh, it's not going to end up paying out like you want. You're going to run out of time. Um, you're you're going to shoot a lot of things that you're not necessarily going to need. So communicating with your reporter and having a plan in place, you can utilize your time a lot better. Um, gather the shots that you're going to need. Get the sound and and just be able to move on and not just dwell on uh, stuff that's. It, once you get to the edit bay, you're never going to use. So it's just like, you know, 
you got to you got to use your time wisely because we work in a business where deadlines are enemy. I mean, we've got to, you know, we, we've got a deadline. We, we have to meet it. There's no like, well, I'll get it when I can. So you have to just make sure that you get everything you can in the quickest amount of time and then give yourself enough time to work on it. And uh, how are yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. How how do you do that when you're out on the shoot while still allowing time to try to find those moments? Because in a lot of cases, great moments don't just happen in stories. You really do have to keep your eyes peeled for them. Are you able to get the shots you need while keeping maybe one eye on where can I find a moment? So it's all about anticipation. I'm always anticipating something. So when I get out in the scene, um, you know, I'll, I'll shoot something, but as I'm getting that shot or trying to capture that moment, whether I, you know, it might be a moment where I have to let the camera roll for five minutes because I want to wait for that moment to happen. But I'm, I'm looking around while that's happening and figuring out where's my next move going to go. Um, you know, so I think that's key. It's like while you're doing one thing, by the time you get that moment, you, you've got to know where you're going next. You know, it can't be you, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're kind of like, OK, now what am I going to do? I already have a plan in place so you can just automatically go to that. Um, a lot of times me and my after my reporter and I will talk and we come up with a plan, you know, obviously you're a team out there. But when you go out in the scene, um, a lot of times, you know, my, my reporter will go, off, go off with my law of my start gathering sound while I go somewhere else and start getting the visuals. So you're utilizing your time. So I'm getting the visuals I know I need. I got my headphones on. I'm listening. When he gets when he gets somebody that we need to talk to, it's going to be good sound. I hear him say, all right, Michael, I've got somebody over here. As soon as he says that, I leave, I go over, we grab some sound, and then we, we do it all over again. So it's just like, even though your team split apart, you know, work separately, gather the stuff that you need and, um, you know, and just make the most use of your time so you can gather the most good moments and sound and stuff quickly. I wanted to delve into that a little bit more, just the teamwork aspect of it. I know for me as someone who 95% of the time I'm shooting my own yeah. stories, so it's not something that I'm actually used to uh, in terms of actually getting to work with a photographer and have that communication. Where do you find that having that communication helps you the most? Um it's just being on the same page. I feel like, you know, when, when you, when you talk to your reporter and you get on the same page and you have the same mindset about what you want to do, um, it, it makes the story so much easier to put together. Um, uh, when you go out and you have the same plan in place, um, teamwork is huge. I mean, if you don't, if you don't work as a team and you go in the situation as I'm a photographer, you're a reporter, you do your thing, I'm going to do mine. You're going to find that your stories are not even going to be close to as good as they can be. Um, you have to build a rapport. It's almost like, it's almost like a marriage. Um, reporter and photographer. It's almost like a marriage to where, like, you know, you gotta you gotta go through things. You're gonna argue sometimes. You're not gonna see eye to eye, but that's that's healthy. You know, you're gonna talk. It's good. It's a good, healthy thing to do to uh, throw ideas back and forth. Um, you know, and and you can't if you're a team, you can't be so gung ho on. I'm not gonna listen to what you say because what I'm saying is the right thing to do. You have to be open minded. You have to talk and take in those ideas. And when you put those ideas together, you're gonna find that you know, their idea was something you didn't even think about and you put those together and it just helps develop your story so much. So constantly, constantly talk and, and don't be afraid to, you know, to step up and say something. You know, if, if you've got an idea for it, how should we start this package off? Say, hey, I got this great shot. I got this. I think this would be a great establishing shot. Let's start off like this, you know, so just constantly communicate and don't be like afraid that they're going to get mad if you try to put your input in. You're a team. I've seen uh, some cases where, a reporter will, where that communication is not there, the reporter will hand off a script to the photographer, the photographer will edit the package, and then the, the reporter will watch the package when it airs and see that the photographer has done something completely unique and, and different, and 
been very thankful for that. Like, oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. And you just kind of did something that just blew my mind. Yeah. And it's awesome. And it kind of catches them off guard. And almost, and, and you know, it helped. You know, especially when you if you work with somebody for like the first time, you're just starting out work with them. Um, doing things like that, you know, because you don't know, no matter your skill level, you don't know that person. When you do things like that, the respect starts to build up. You start respecting. So you go out, you go out in the field, and uh, you know, it's a situation where like the reporter doesn't have to worry about going and asking me if I got that shot, if I got that, because you build up that rapport enough that they already know. So it makes it so much easier when you're a team that if you had that respect for one another. You don't have to worry about me. You can focus on the stuff that you need to do, and I can focus on the stuff I need to do because we both know we're going to get the elements we need. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's vital, just having that respect for one another and uh, and everything. And then in the editing bay, when you're putting the story together, I know we talked about kind of being able to control the pacing a little mm -hmm. bit with fast shots and more moment uh, <laughs> slower shots. What other, What is your other secret as far as just strictly in the editing bay, taking what you've got on video and turning it into a beautifully moving package. Well, my thing is before the package is even, the script is even handed to me, I'm starting to lay down some of my, my best video, some of my best gnats on a sequence so I know that they're there. Um, and, you know, I'm already kind of visualizing the story and, and, and kind of the flow of it already. I know some shots I know I'm going to use, and I make sure I tell my reporter that, hey, we got to incorporate this. I've got these gnats. We need to incorporate that. Um, so... It's one of those things where don't get so caught up on like the basic technique where it's like you got to do this, you got to do that. When you're in the edit bay, it's go with the flow. I mean, you'll get there and you'll look at a script and, you know, just because it may look a certain way from the get go, you can incorporate stuff. Once the reporter's reading, you're going to hear them take like a, a pause at some point in between the track. And then, like, while you're laying it down, you're like, well, I can put a quick gnat in there, I can break that up. Um, so it's just like, you know, just, just keeping the pacing going, but like going over the script and just like listening and being like, oh, I can throw something in there. I can spice it up by throwing that in there. Um, break tracks up and just, you know, I go back a lot. I'll, I'll lay down half the package and I'll go back and watch it from the, the get-go. I'll just lean back and just look at it. Is the flow going well? Is there something, is it, is it dragging at some point? Do I need to throw something in there where it's like, I don't want the viewer to fall asleep. So do I need to throw a quick nap pop to wake him up in there? Um, I think we get so caught up on just like, this is, you have to edit this way. No jump cuts, all this stuff. I, I don't encourage jump cuts, but if you do it properly and you got good moments, it, it works. So, I mean, don't get so just dialed in on like, I have to do it this way. It has to be track, soundbite, track, soundbite. Break it up. I mean, it's funny sometimes. A reporter's going to hand you a script and it's going to look one way. And then when you edit the package, it's like, how is that even, it doesn't even look the same. So, you know, don't don't be afraid to put your little, you know, your little thing on it. Go in there and, and do your thing. And, and, you know, the reporter's going to, they're not going to be mad. I mean, if you spice it up and it looks good, they're going to be, like you said, they're going to be so happy and, and appreciative of you going the extra mile and throwing a few things in there that they didn't expect you to do. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He's Michael Driver, 2013 NPPA West Regional Photographer of the Year by day, a photographer at KUSA-TV in Denver. I like to use the last portion of the podcast to kind of talk about advice for young journalists and, and to talk about just the development of one's career. And, you know, it's interesting. You're a relatively young guy in the field, and you don't see a whole lot of young, strictly photojournalists coming up and having the kind of success. And, and it's one of the pleasures, I think, of really getting into NPPA competitions and watching 
people's work is seeing the amount of really good young photojournalists who are pushing the envelope and raising the bar. Yeah. And uh, I'm just curious as to how did you get into the business? How did you get started? Did you always want to do what you're doing right now? And how difficult was it for you to get to where you're at? That's kind of a funny story. Actually, um, you know, I don't want to go against the don't get your education, get your journal, journalism degree and all that stuff, because you need that. Um, I, I had a fortunate situation where uh, a friend of mine got my foot in the door. Um, I was a 17-year-old little punk in high school working in the <laughs> working in the electronics department of Walmart. And um, a buddy of... Where'd you grow up, by the way, Mike? Uh, Paducah, Kentucky. There we go. Okay. Quilt Show USA. So good. <laughs> so good. Quote shows. Um, but no, I was, work, I, you know, I was working at the electronics department of Walmart, and a buddy of mine uh, that graduated a couple years before me came in one day. I hadn't seen him in a while. He had moved off to Oklahoma to work in a TV station. And uh, he had moved back and uh, to work at the NBC station here in Paducah. And I was just like, wow, man, that sound, sounds great. I was like, I really don't have any experience, but uh, I like watching TV. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it could be cool. I was like, so, you know, man, if there's ever an opening or whatever, you know, I'm a hard worker, you know, just throw my name out there. Maybe give me an opportunity. He's like, all right, sounds good. I didn't think anything would come of it. Uh, two days later, he called me at work and said, hey, man, if you're serious, I got you an interview on Monday. Wow. Uh, so... So, yeah, Monday I went in and interviewed and uh, the chief photographer was like, uh, you know, Barry, Barry Wood was my buddy. And he said uh, he speaks very highly of you, says you're a hard worker. And uh, before we left, he, he said, you know, man, if you, if you want the job, it's yours. So from that point, I, I started uh, started in the TV business from the electronics department of Walmart to uh, to working at uh, the NBC station in uh, Paducah, Kentucky. Man, that's a success story right there. <laughs> yeah, I got wow. you know, some time. Things happen for a reason, I think. So, so how, what would you say was the best uh, or the biggest source of your development in terms of going from a guy with no experience, going from Walmart, to getting to, getting to the point where you are now and, and becoming not even just the award-winning photographer that you are now, but the storyteller that you are now, learning those skills, which really don't come very easily? Well... Two of the things that you definitely have, I mean, if you're going to be in this business, you have to have passion for it. I mean, you've got to be passionate about this job and you've got to love it. Uh, and you definitely, you have to be a people person. If you don't like talking to people, you're, there's, you're not going to make it in this business. Um, starting out, it was just, you got to have that drive. You got to, you got to do things on your own time and not wait for people to ask you or show you stuff. Um, I would go out and just, I just would learn the basics. I remember one of the first drills that I did was the, the license plate drill where I would go out and see shoot a license plate 15 different angles just go out in the parking lot and see if you can shoot a license plate in 15 different angles wow. just to get that you know just to do that and that's a good one young journalists go out and try that um <laughs> but yeah it's just you gotta have that motivation just to go out and, and just kind of teach yourself go out and try new things and, and some of them are going to work and some of them aren't um and like i said you have to as far as the storytelling thing you're going you have to be a people person like i said and it's uh you have to go out and when you talk to people you have to talk to them as a human being you can't go out there and, and go with the mindset of i'm a guy with a big camera that's going to put a mic on you and ask you some hard questions you have to talk to that person you want that person to think um to feel like you're their friend the first thing i won't even roll half the time before i meet somebody i'll go up i'll build rapport with them uh, I'll make somebody laugh. I'll make somebody like me. And at that point, I'll be like, hey, do you mind if I throw a mic on you? Um, as far as storytelling stuff, that's where you're going to get your best moments. Because that person is, they're comfortable around you now and stuff. So as a young journalist, you said, you know, first thing is just learn the basics. Learn the tight, medium, wide, super tight, action, reaction. And then learn the, 
the capability, just being able to talk to people and get people to open up to you because they like you so much. Um, so, I mean, and once you incorporate those, um, you're going to find that your stories are just so much better. Um, you know, just don't don't get so drilled in of I'm a journalist in TV and I, you know, look at me, mom. I do TV work and I'm going to show you what I can do. It's a, be a be a human being. I mean, because, you know, that's where you're going to get your best stuff. People want to talk to somebody they feel like they could be friends with. Was that a difficult thing to learn in that? I, I think I can tell that just from listening to you that you have that mindset naturally. That's not something you needed to learn over time. But at the same time, you are carrying a giant camera. You are putting wireless mics on people. It's not a natural process. And I know from my own development, I can say one of the one of the biggest parts of my development as a photographer was figuring out a way to do that in a comfortable manner, in a way that people could open up despite all of this artificial, uh, all the artifice that surrounds them. Yeah. Was that tough to learn? It was tough to learn because you, you go out in a story and you're so nervous and your whole mindset is, I've, especially starting out, you're like, I've got to get this. I've got to gather this. I've got to gather this. I've got to do this. So you go out and you're so nervous about it that you just, you get drilled into like, I just got to hurry up and do this. So I'm going to throw a mic on. I'm not, I'm not going to really introduce myself. I'm just going to walk up and say, hi, I'm Michael Jarrett from Nine News. Can I ask you a few questions? But what you've got to do is just, you've got to, it's tough. You've got to go out and just find the ways that make people feel comfortable. Obviously, I'm behind the camera. I've been in front of the camera, and it's nerve-wracking. It, may, it is nervous when a camera's pointing at your face. So it's just about going out, uh, finding the people that you're going to talk to, and just being up front. Tell them what your plan is. Tell them, like, why you're out here, what, what, what this story is about, what, what, what you're trying to achieve in this story. And, um, you know, and like I said, just building rapport with them. Um, a lot of times when I'm shooting interviews and stuff, um, even when I'm with by myself, um, you know, I will stay far back when I'm shooting interviews. I'll stay way back um, to the point where the camera's not right in their face. They almost forget that I'm even there. And uh, they open up so much more as plopping a camera down in front. And I used to do that a lot. I just go up, throw a camera down right in front of their face, grab my stick mic and start asking them questions. They're nervous. Their answers are going to be so generic. But if you lay back, get, you know, how, however many yards back and just throw a little wireless on them, they, they feel comfortable. They forget that you're there and you're going to get those natural, um, you know, those natural moments where they're like not talking to the camera um, and stuff. And that's what you want, because in the grand scheme of things, you want the viewer at home to almost forget they're watching a new story. So it's, it's going out and finding those elements and, and putting the story together where at the end of it, they're like, wow, I, I didn't even I forgot I was watching this on a, a TV station because they're so zoned in on those, that stuff you capture in those natural things that they almost feel part of the story. One of my favorite moments when I do an interview is at the end, I say to whoever I just interviewed, OK, you know, I'll I'll take the mic back now. And yeah. like 70 percent of them forget they were ever wearing the microphone. Yeah, that's what and you want. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. And, and, it's, and, great. and it's cool it's because then they do open up, like you said, and then. Yeah that enables you to tell just such a better story. I'm yeah. curious for you, you know, going from Paducah, Kentucky to nine news KUSA in Denver, which is widely regarded as one of the top photojournalistic shops in the country. Yeah. What has been the biggest adjustment since you came there about a, what about a year and a half ago now? Yeah, I've been, I've been in Denver for, yeah, right at a year and a half. Um, biggest adjustment, man trying to get people to understand my language. They can't understand my, my <laughs> Southern accent. They're like, well, what'd you say, man? Um, no, it's, you know, I, I've lived in Kentucky my whole life. 
And um, I always knew, I joked about when I first got in the business and I heard KUSA's reputation, I, I can remember looking back and, and saying, um, you know, man, I'd, I'd like to work at KUSA one of these days. And to be here right now, it's almost surreal. Um, I think the thing is, it's just, you know, I, I just stayed driven. I had goals and I was like, you know, what do I need to do to achieve these goals and continue to progress? Um, so, you know, I just made those adjust adjustments and I just did the things um, that I needed to do to get here. Um, you know, and I, I feel so blessed with the, the opportunity that I've been given. But, um, you know, it's just the thing is, you can't you've got to go in with your own speed, like just go do your own thing, develop like you want, try new things. And you, you want to set yourself apart. You know, if you want to, you know, if I didn't set myself apart and have my own type of style and do the things that, you know, I, that I wanted to do, who's to say I would have went from Paducah, Kentucky to KUSA. So you got to find your own style, have your own niche, um, ask a lot of questions. Um, just do the things um, that are going to get you to where you want to go. Just have a goal and don't forget about that goal. And, um, you know, that's what I've just tried to, to do. Um, and, you know, obviously I miss my family and stuff back in Kentucky, but mm. they're happy for me because I'm pursuing what I want to do. I'm passionate about what I do. I love my job. It's something new every day. And if you really love your job and you, you decide this is going to be your career, you've got to do the things that are going to keep you developing. You don't want to stay stagnant. Um, if you ever get to a market or you get to a place where you're not learning anymore, you feel like you're just plateauing, um, it's time to get out. It's time to go do something else um, because nobody can ever say they know everything. You don't. You know, everybody can get better. You're only as good as your last story. And um, so, yeah, just keep the motivation. Do the things you got to do. Um, awards are great. Uh, they're, they're motivation. We, we're fortunate enough to work in a business where we're able to receive awards. Um, don't ever let that be your mindset, though. Don't don't go out and say, I'm going to shoot this story well because I want to win an award for it. Um, go out and shoot a story because you want it to be award worthy. Um, you know, I like awards, but in the grand scheme of things, after I do a story, the family I did that story over calling me, texting me, emailing me and saying, thank you so much for what you did. We're all in tears. We love how you told our story. Thank you so much. That's more rewarding me than a plaque on my wall. Michael, uh, I feel like the advice per minute ratio is higher on this podcast than any other guest <laughs> we've had, man. You're bringing it today. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Hey, hey. I just Do you have a, somebody that can like put closed captions on this? Because <laughs> I don't know if they can understand what I'm saying. I wouldn't even ask <laughs> anyone to try. Um, oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, last question I had for you before we yeah. kind of wrap things up. I know uh, in, in the course of emailing back and forth and, and getting set for this, you said that you spoke at a school uh, this past Friday, I imagine it's something you do quite a bit and will probably do quite a bit more now that uh, you've gotten this honor. What is the one question that you get the most from students and what's your answer? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I think one of the first questions is, you know, they always ask, how, how do you get into the business? How, how do I get my foot in the door and stuff? And, you know, you tell them the Walmart story. Yeah, I tell them the Walmart story. <laughs> but I mean, I think one, too, it's like one question they ask a lot is like, you know, what do I have to do to like, you know, succeed in this business? You know, what are the things that I need to do that are really going to, you know, if I get in this business, they're going to make me uh, be successful in this business. And, um, you know, and it's kind of like the things we talked about before. Um, it's just learning, learning the stuff you need to do to do your job well. But it's also the passion. You got to be passionate. And then it's, uh, it's also about realizing that you're a human being and just going out and, and doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, you know, it's just so rewarding. I mean, you, you get to see so many different things and you get to experience things people don't get to see a lot. Um, so, yeah, it's just, um, you know, just going out and uh, being humbled and just being grateful for what you're the job that you're doing. 
And, um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things that you can read in the book. You can pick up a book, you can watch a video um, that can tell you how to do it. But, you know, the advice I give to people is, you know, hands-on experience is the best thing to do. If, if you want to be a photojournalist, go out and grab a camera, uh, start shooting. Um, even if you get in the TV business and you start as a start out as a teleprompter operator, but you ideally want to become a photojournalist um, during downtime, during your lunch break, uh, whatever. Go ask the chief photographer if you can grab a camera and just go out and shoot something. Um, start building up. Start thinking ahead of time, even though you might be in that position for a while, but you want to be here. Go out and start doing the things that once you get to that point, you already have material and you, you're already getting yourself prepared for that. And uh, that's what you got to do. Don't wait until the opportunity just comes right at you. Start doing things beforehand um, to, to get you ready for that. And um, if you do get in the business, it's technology is changing. There's a lot of things that they ask more of you. It's not just about going out and shooting a story now. It's they want you to tweet out about it. They want you to, you know, a lot of social media and stuff. And um, times are changing. And once you get in this business, you have two options. You can either, you know, adapt to it or you're going to get left behind. So you got you got to start asking questions. You got to start doing the things that are going to make you stay up to par with everything that's going on in, in the business. I think there was something that you said there that I, I want to just focus on a little bit more because I, I found it very uh, poignant and compelling. You talked about how a lot of journalists, and not just photojournalists, I think a lot of reporters and anchors <laughs> as well, get into the business and they want to know how do I succeed mm -hmm. as opposed to how do I get good. Yeah, And I think one thing you said that really, uh, that I hope people take away from this is that the difference between similarly trying to do a story to win an award mm -hmm. and doing a story that's award worthy and how once you yeah. start doing the stories that are award worthy, once you focus more on getting good at your craft, the success tends to come faster than it would have if you're just seeking the next move. Yeah. yeah. And it's just... You know, because it, it helps you when you have that mentality, when you have that mentality, I'm going to go out and I want to do stuff that's award worthy. It just it, it makes you so much better at your job um, and you learn to do stuff. And, and the thing is, you're going to go out, even if you have that mentality, there's going to be days where it, stuff doesn't pan out. You're going to go out and you're, you know, you're going to strike out on stuff and you've got to find a way that even though when that happens to be able to say, OK, I'm OK with this because tomorrow I may knock it out of the park. Um, but always, you know, and just and just my thing is, is no matter if I'm going out and shooting a bow sight or if I'm going to go out and do a VO or whatever, um, you have to go out and just find those small victories. I try to find a small victory and stuff that I do every day. If I go out and I'm shooting a bow sight and it's exteriors of a building, um, what can I do today that's different that instead of just shooting that building? What cool angle can I get? What what interview style can I do? So. You know, if you, if you want to be good in this and you want to do stuff that's award worthy, not for awards, go out every day and try to find something different that you can do. A small victory every day. You know, your package not, might not win an award. It might be boring. But if you can say there's one, I caught this one moment. I did something different here. Um, it is going to help you get better for that, that big story that happens tomorrow that you, you knock out of the park because you're doing those little things different and you're not just staying and doing the same thing because it's what they tell you. I mean, for the most part, you can either do, you know, you can do a half-assed job or you can do a really good job and your boss or people are probably going to, uh, they're not going to say anything about it. So it's on you to like have that motivation that even if people don't praise me about it, I know I did a great job. I know I did something good today. I know that I went out and I kicked butt and I did something different because I want to, because I love my job, because I'm passionate about it. Michael Driver absolutely crushing this podcast today. 
Uh, before I let you go, I always like Can to I come ask back tomorrow? that. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Uh, I always like to ask that famous reporter's question yeah. before I let you go. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to add to the conversation? Um, I just want to, you know, the one last thing. It's just like I've been talking about the, the whole human aspect of this is, you know, go into each day just being not looking at yourself as a journalist, being a human being and um, just talking to people with, with respect. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. Um, and, you know, be, if people seem nervous and they do this stuff, be, you know, be okay with that. Be okay, but give them some time. Um, you know, be passionate about your job. And, um, you know, just go out and do the things that are gonna set yourself apart. And, and no matter what success you have, whether you win 20 Emmys and you win every award there is, keep yourself humble, you know, stay humble in this profession. Um, it's so easy for people to do great things and then get to the point where they, they feel like they're above everybody. Stay humble in what you do because you've always got something to learn. You're never, you're never not going to know everything. And um, if bad things happen. If you're up for a war or you're up for a situation and it falls through, um, don't get down on yourself. Don't, don't let that affect your next day where you're like, I, I deserve that, but I didn't get it. So I'm just not going to do a, a job, a good job today. You got to, you got to stay focused on what you want. I mean, if you want to achieve things, um, you, you have to do the things um, to achieve, achieve those goals. And, um, you know, and just, you know, just keep, just keep kicking butt and, and taking names. I feel like you ran out of gas there at the end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the it's the it's the altitude. It's the altitude in Denver, man. It takes you. It's hard to catch your breath sometimes. Oh man, Michael yeah. Driver, photojournalist with KUSA, coming coming to us from the KUSA newsroom. You could hear bits of it in the background there. I felt yeah. like we had like a real, real yeah. like live in the newsroom moment here today, right, and right I appreciate you coming on. This is where the magic happens. So I thought you know might as well do this where the magic happens. At. So yeah. Do that. Yeah. There we go. Well, Michael Driver, uh, congratulations again, and thanks for coming on the Telling the Story podcast. Oh, thank you so much, man, and congratulations on your success. I expect you uh, to, to do it again next year. Oh, man. Well, don't put that pressure on me. Make, make me proud. Make mom and dad proud. That's what it's about. <laughs> make your mom that. and dad proud. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.